Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where, yes, today we're going to go back to Afghanistan. It is the story of the week, of the year. It could be of the decade. This is a consequential moment in American history for both American supremacy, as Mike Flynn told us earlier this week, and for the war against terror. If Afghanistan becomes a hotbed or safe harbor for terrorists, we're right back to 9-11 posture. And... I want to do something unique today, and that is to help you walk through the recriminations, the finger pointing, the spinning that's going on about what went on between the Trump administration and the Biden administration. Did Donald Trump have a different plan to evacuate from Afghanistan than Joe Biden executed? That answer is yes. We know that for sure. So what was the Trump plan? How would it have differed? I am bringing on this show today the man whose job it was to brief the Biden administration to provide the plan, to oversee the plan, to ensure Afghanistan didn't become a safe harbor. His name is Cash Patel. We've had him on the show many times. He was the chief of staff to the defense secretary. He was the man in charge of the transition, the man who was in charge of giving a plan that was comprehensive, complete, secure, safe, smart, common sense. And he is going to lay out that plan. This is in a very exclusive moment. This doesn't happen very often. You're going to get a senior Pentagon official laying out the very plan that Trump would have executed and gave to the Biden administration to execute. And I have a funny feeling he's going to tell us the Biden administration simply threw that in the garbage can. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we are where we are today. We're going to find that out with Cash Patel in just a few seconds. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, our exclusive interview with Cash Patel. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. 
Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at TakeLean.com. That's TakeLean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at TakeLean.com. One more time, TakeLean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, someone I enjoy always having a conversation with because I learned something big. Joining us right now is Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the defense secretary under President Trump, former National Security Council, key player on anti-terrorism. And before that, one of the most important people on Devin Nunes' staff that helped unravel the Russia collusion delusion that we all know about today. We wouldn't know about it if it wasn't for Cash. Cash, welcome to the show. John, thanks so much. Love being back with you. And thanks for those generous, kind words. Not sure they're all deserved, but you're, you're they're all nice. true. I'll tell you that. There's not any <laughs> doubt about that. And um, in your final job with the Trump administration, you had the flight stick with the defense secretary on the drawdown on, on, on the transition. And there has been a lot of information out there. I want to unwind it. But before I do, I know you still have an eye on this because you've always had a vested interest in making sure we had a peaceful transition. What is your assessment? What are you hearing about what's going on on the ground in Afghanistan? Well, right now, unfortunately, John, and I hate to say it, we are in the middle of the biggest catastrophe, the national security catastrophe since 9-11. And Afghanistan is in its worst shape in the last 20 years. I still have so many friends who I serve with who are currently serving or were serving and have uh, left uh, brothers and sisters on the ground in Afghanistan during their service. And they are just disgusted with not the, you know, not to politicize it, but they're disgusted with the total lack of a plan. There is no plan by this administration to get American citizens out, to get an Afghan citizens who helped the American government work with us over the last 20 years out. There's no plan to secure our weaponry, our machinery. We're just giving it over to terrorists. And there's no plan to secure Kabul International Airport so that at least flights can get in and out. I mean, you've seen the chaos, the absolute bedlam on the runways with Afghan nationals plunging to their deaths while clinging to American military transport. It's just I don't even know that anyone could have made this awful scenario up it's it's literally worse than you could possibly conjure yeah it's a bad movie except that it's oh so real and one of the things that has caught my ear that i think may be the most consequential thing we're all riveted by the scenes and the failure and the collapse but i think general milley's briefing to the senate on sunday night where it's been reported widely he said that with less than two years a terror attack against Americans could again be launched from within Afghanistan like it did for 9-11. We fought a 20-year war to keep that from happening. How can that be? How can we be less than two years from Afghanistan being al-Qaeda central or ISIS central? Transition a government and the negotiated peace settlement like we did under President Trump, when you just basically up and leave as Biden and Milley have done, that's unfortunately the chaotic environment that you leave behind instantaneously. And look, I don't put any any stock anymore in what the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley, has to say. This is a guy who went up to the Senate and said the focus of the Defense Department should be white rage and white supremacy at the DOD. 
No, I couldn't disagree more. And when you in order 3 million people, 3 million service members to focus on white rage and white supremacy, you know what you're not focusing on? Afghanistan, Russia, China, Iran. This is also the same guy who just yesterday or the day before, Milley announced that he had seen no intelligence to show that Afghanistan would implode in 11 days. What is he talking about? That just shows you the credibility of this man who's supposed to be the most apolitical officer military in our Department of Defense. He literally said he has seen no intelligence that showed him Afghanistan would implode in 11 days. What is he talking about? I was there when we briefed President Trump. He was in the room. We were briefing him with the Director of National Intelligence and Secretary of Defense saying we cannot just up and leave Afghanistan because al-Qaeda would return immediately and Afghanistan would implode and the Afghan nationals, the innocent Afghan nationals would be killed. And he agreed. So now, fast forward again, he's trying to save his job and speak the political headlines of the day and continuing to allow the media to set the national security agenda of the United States. And then you have a complete failed leadership in President Biden, who just is totally, unfortunately, out to lunch on all things Afghanistan at this point. But Millie is he has zero credibility and, and should immediately resign. I want to pin this down because this sounds like really important news here. This meeting that you have with the director of national intelligence, I assume other components of the intelligence agency, General Milley, when did that take uh, a Do you remember approximately in the calendar when it happened? Well, it wasn't it wasn't just one meeting, right, John? I mean, the Afghan right. withdrawal when President Trump sent us over to the Defense Department happened in November, December, and January. So it was a steady course of meetings in the Oval Office, phone calls and briefings. And I know for a fact that General Milley was there speaking to this intelligence and agreeing with the intelligence assessment. And now all of a sudden he's running up to the Hill and saying, oh, or the media and saying, well, I didn't see any intelligence that would show this. Well, here's what the American public deserves, an actual oversight into what the intelligence picture was in December, January of last year to show what we knew and when we knew it. The intelligence cables are there. I'm not going to speak to the details of them, but at least Congress should be taking a look for this information and one day show it to the American public to show we prepared under President Trump based on the actual intelligence picture on the ground. And what they are doing now is Millie's politicizing the intelligence uh, community and the Department of Defense so he can keep his job and keep pandering to the political level. All right. So I know you can't get into the specifics of the intelligence, but you're telling me that the Trump administration knew and briefed the incoming administration that if you pulled out too quickly without a plan, without uh, propping up and making sure the transition, without peace negotiations leading to a deal, that there could be a rapid collapse. Is that correct? And then you brought up a great point, John, as you do. The transition. We agreed, as every president has done, to a successful transition of power because that's what America deserves. And in that transition process, which I spearheaded for the Department of Defense, we made sure that we gave them the most robust presidential transition in history. And we did. We gave them more documents than any prior presidency. We gave them access to more officials in the Defense Department than before. And we gave them access to the DOD itself during the times of COVID. We made sure that they had the plans and intelligence and preparation to come in. We call the incoming DOD Secretary of Defense, their chief of staff, the undersecretaries. Nobody wanted to speak to us. They wouldn't even call us back. That's how political they made it, because they didn't want President Trump's plan to carry over, even if it was a plan that was working. And they accused us of politicizing the DOD and intelligence community when they, in fact, are the only ones to have done so. And they are sowing the seeds of their hypocrisy today. Yeah, they certainly are. They're reaping it. It's it's a big moment in history. And, and there was a moment yesterday where I think it could be the defining moment of the Biden presidency where he's on with George Stephanopoulos 
and the president says, there is no failure, as though this is what, what should have happened. It's insane. I mean, people are going to remember that image, and you're going to compare the images to what's there. Now, let's go back to what the Trump plan was, what you were recommending. Sure. So first off, under any circumstance, would Donald Trump have turned over the Bagram Air Base before we had all of our Americans out? No, never. Absolutely not. And that was part of the plan. And I'm glad you brought up the plan. We had what was called a conditions-based withdrawal yep. plan from Afghanistan. And certain conditions, not strings, ropes had to be met by the Afghans and the Taliban and, and all the other forces involved. Namely, they had to reject and repudiate al-Qaeda in its entirety. They could no longer be a part of any government that we would uh, uh, allow. The Afghans and the Taliban thereafter had to negotiate in good faith for an interim government supported by U.S policy and State Department and even defense were necessary. And also, we would leave a special forces operation contingent available to combat terrorist threats that did arise in Afghanistan because we knew it wasn't going to go over smoothly. And only and until all those conditions were met were we going to begin the withdrawal of our manning and our equipment and our machinery. And we would not have ever relinquished control of Bagram Airfield because that is our command and control node for the entire region. And that's where we would fly in and out securely our C-17s, our Hercs, and our C-5s, and get the people and Manning out safely when our conditions were met. That is a completely different plan than what we're seeing today. Oh, yeah. And as, as, as the Department of Defense just three days ago went up to the Senate and briefed them, they said they currently have no plans to evacuate American citizens in the country. That is just a complete tragedy. The Defense Department prepares for the plan, for the contingency, for the emergency, and for everything else you can think of, so we're ready to execute. And they've done none of it under this administration. It's mind-numbing. And for those who haven't been to Afghanistan, haven't seen the, the, the daily report, the difference between evacuating Americans at Bagram, which has a very secure area around it, doesn't have easy sniper shots, and, and where what the Karzai International Airport in a downtown civilian area creates. Just talk about how much safer the evacuation would have been between Bagram and what we're now seeing in this civilian airport. Well, you, you know, unfortunately, the world's seeing these pictures and videos. And so they, they sort of describe themselves. It's a civilian airport that the U.S. military shared one singular runway with versus Bagram, where we have multiple runways and it's our own. It's our property, or at least was. And this is one of the most uh, troubling things from a national security official in the Biden administration. Jake Sullivan, President Biden's national security advisor, literally went to the podium two days ago and said, We've sent out a phone number for American citizens in Afghanistan to call us and hopefully make their way to Kabul uh, so that we can try and assist them leave the country. Just let that sit for a minute. The leadership of the United States government in the White House is currently saying to Americans in Afghanistan, find your way through Afghanistan, a war zone, and call a number and maybe we'll help you get out. That is not what leadership is. That is not what the Department of Defense was under President Trump. We go get Americans. We have plans to go rescue Americans. We know where they are, and we make sure we airlift them out of trouble to secure places like Bagram and then get them out of the country. I, I can't tell you how outraged me and so many personnel members that I serve with are at the lack of care and preparation for American lives in Afghanistan. I don't know where these guys get the experience or the audacity to, to address the world and say, please text us and hopefully you'll find us. Yeah, listen, the cable said you're on your own. We can't guarantee your safe passage. I mean, when's the last time? <laughs> and you know, there was another moment in the Jake Sullivan press conference 
that rung my ears because I can't imagine in any other time in American history it would have been uttered. Someone asked him, will you be able to get all Americans out? And he wouldn't answer the question. He said, we're doing our best to get as many as we can out, almost leaving open the possibility that we may strand some Americans in that country. That's my biggest fear, John. I mean, the Secretary of Defense, Milley, Blinken, all said the same thing. We're hoping to get everybody out and we'll stay so we can do that. Hope is not a plan for a theater of war. Hope doesn't work. Preparation and planning based on intelligence works. And they have showed us by their statements in recent days that they entirely failed to do that. And my fear, and I really hope this doesn't come true, is that we're going to have a massive hostage situation of Americans and Afghan nationals in Afghanistan. And it is going to be one of the deadliest times for that country. And I hope it doesn't come to pass. Yeah, we all hope and pray it doesn't, but it doesn't look great right now. I want to go back to some of the other elements of the plan. Mm -hmm. I had a story last Thursday that looked at how much the ear sorties from U.S. military and coalition forces went down starting in January. So is it fair to say, I've said this kind of colloquial, and you know, I think generals nod at me and say, yeah, you're right. But Donald Trump essentially bombed the Taliban to the negotiating table, right? They were so afraid of a predator, they would rather negotiate than get blown up again. Was that really the strategy in 19 and 20 to put so much pressure on the Taliban? They weren't doing aggression. They were trying to negotiate. Is that, is that where the plan was? Well, look, I can speak to this directly because as deputy assistant to the president for counterterrorism, I was responsible for the White House's counterterrorism strategy. And uh, President Trump was very clear when it came to al-Qaeda and ISIS. He said, wipe out al-Qaeda senior leadership everywhere, kill the emirs of ISIS around the world, and make sure that we have all the aerial assets and manning and necessary to execute those actions. And we did that. And if you look at who we eliminated from the battlefield for ISIS, al-Qaeda, and all their offshoots, that was the strategy President Trump wanted implemented. And as you said, it works. When you kill your enemy who's trying to harm us, they then lose allies. And the Taliban realized that what you just said, if we associate with al-Qaeda, they're going to come after us. And they were right. We would have if they associated with al-Qaeda, which is why we demanded an entire repudiation and rejection of any al-Qaeda affiliation. Members of that people who are in Guantanamo Bay as captive terrorists that President Obama let out are now helping run the Taliban, which is now in control. Yeah, the Taliban it five, right? Shocking. The Bo Bergdahl trade. Yeah, exactly. Um, was there, too well. in the Trump world, was it obvious to Trump and the intelligence community that the release of the Taliban 5 was going to come back to haunt us when we got to this moment of withdrawal from Afghanistan? Well, you know, it would, been, it would have been very impressive way back in the day to predict exactly where this would come back and haunt us, but we knew it was going to come back and haunt us. We just Well, we didn't. President Obama released five of the world's leading terrorists and put them back in where? In, I believe, Qatar for the time being. And we were promised, oh, they would never return to the battlefield. (laughs) That was a flat out lie then. We knew the recidivism rates. We knew what al-Qaeda and the Taliban were going to do. And they did exactly what we we thought. They pulled them out of uh, Qatar and they sent them back into the battlefield and preparation and planning centers in Afghanistan. And now, unfortunately, we're seeing those their leadership actions reemerge and hurt not just the American interests, but the world. Look at what our allies have to do in Afghanistan. And that's another thing. President Trump was resoundingly criticized by the media for speaking to national leaders or not speaking to national leaders. Joe Biden hasn't talked to a single national leader about his Afghan plan because he doesn't have one. But he hasn't even bothered to call them and ask them what they're doing. And maybe they can help America. Let me ask you this. Um... 
do does this moment in history we've talked about a lot of the consequences right uh, there could be a resumption of terrorism from afghanistan we could have yeah. americans facing tragedy in the country because we don't have them secure yet let me ask you one that maybe isn't being entered into the public calculation with media but seems to me a very obvious one have we burned a lot of bridges with our allies by the, the haphazard way we pulled out of the country in the last couple of weeks Look, I have never held a political post in any government administration in my 16 years, save for the very end when I was chief of staff. And I'll, I can only speak to you anecdotally, having served multiple tours of civilian in the Defense Department and having talked to all my brothers and sisters that I served with in the past. And every one of them, the first thing they say to me is, this withdrawal has been so poorly planned and botched that we no longer have allies who will ever listen to us again. Mm. And that's them saying it. That's yeah. not me saying it. Those are the frontline people that deal with it. Yeah. They are the guys. They are the tip of the spear. They are the planning and they are the command and control element on the ground for years who lost fellow soldiers. And they would know better than any politician in D.C. or any guy in Washington saying, I made a trip to Afghanistan. So I know mm. how that country works. I don't listen to them. Right. I listen to the guys I served with. Yeah. And you know what? I think they're going to be right that American leadership in the world has cratered and our allies it's going to take a lot for them to respect us again it is unreal where we are i want to go back to a couple elements of the plan because you're now beginning to see and and you keep hearing oh trump didn't have a plan trump gave us a lousy plan we couldn't change course by the way biden changed course on every other trump thing but for, for here apparently he couldn't change course another part of the plan were you guys identifying all those afghans who had helped the military for two decades that needed to be evacuated was there a list should we have known long before the crazy scramble we're in now who we needed to evacuate from the country both as americans contractors and then all those brave afghans who stood side by side as brothers in arms and sisters in arms in the fight against the taliban with the coalition forces well let me just speak to you generally without getting into too many of the sensitivities mm-hmm. Of course, Americans, the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, and the intelligence community knew who helped them. We hired them. We, we had contracts with them. We paid them. They became our partners and allies on the ground. They became our interpreters. They became our daily service providers. Of course, we knew where they were and who they were. We didn't have to go out and identify them. We were working with them day in and day out. And we had known at the Department of Defense that it's Afghanistan. It's a war zone. It could go south at any time. We always prepare for a situation where someone has to be evacuated that helped the United States of America because they get a threat, their family's taken hostage, they're shot at. This isn't something new. This is something we, under President Trump, chose to carry on because that's the American tradition and the right thing to do. The only way you are surprised by this sort of situation is if you don't plan for it, if you don't prepare for it. And this is what I've been saying all along. The main thing is this administration has politicized the national security apparatus of the United States. And the way they're handling the Afghans that helped us is just another example, because they basically under Biden are saying, what did Trump do? X? Okay, we're going to do Y. It doesn't matter where it is or what it's about. We can't do the same thing that Trump did, even if it worked. And this is the realist portrayal of the consequences of a failure in leadership. All they had to do, they could have said it's their own plan and just continued it. We would, we didn't care. Yeah. We just wanted just have a to continue plan. that work, <laughs> have a plan and yeah. that's something that worked. And and right now we just we just I'm still I still don't hear maybe I haven't heard it but maybe you have I still haven't heard a plan no. I don't know of a single plan for Afghanistan yet I think they're making up it as a go because they they had so little preparation going in um, another element of the plan would the president have kept air power up to 
give the Afghan forces a fighting chance to hold on to the region quicker? It seems like we just gave up all air superiority in the air. Yeah, look, American air superiority is requested by our allies around the world because it's the best on planet Earth. And we were planning and executing to use our air assets in theater in Afghanistan and increase and augment that force posture as needed based upon the conditions-based withdrawal. So yes, we had planned and prepared to have these air assets flying over the skies of Afghanistan, armed or unarmed, or to collect intelligence, to take out targets, what have you, to secure a peace settlement. And I don't know what happened to that plan either. It's at the Department of Defense. We generated it. It just requires a flick to be turned on, but I don't think they want that either. So I don't know what the status of our air program is. or All we know is that the sorties went way, way, way down. Uh, The Air Force has confirmed that to us and a massive decline in air sorties, which is, is remarkable given the moment we're in. Another one I want to go to. There were all these bad guys sitting in the prison at Bagram, the the worst of the worst, some of them Mm -hmm. who had been at Gitmo. Did the Trump administration have a plan other than the one that unfolded that they just all got released? Well, we were, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a simple answer to that. We were never going to just release them. We were working with allies and partners to prosecute them either in America, prosecute them in their home countries of origin, as we successfully did under President Trump with high value targets. Over the years, we were involved with many prosecutions, both in the Middle East, in Europe, and we brought a lot of individuals uh, back to America to prosecute. It it takes time, but we had a plan in place and we were doing it. Releasing these guys, releasing terrorists is never an option. It was never an option under President Trump. That only seems to be an option that we engaged in under President Obama when they released the uh, Bergdahl swap. And now when we relinquish Bagram, as you said, we just set back more terrorists into the field to attack Americans. It wasn't an option for the Trump administration. It is a reality for the Biden administration. All of those guys are mm-hmm. released. It's just remarkable. And, uh, and I, I keep thinking, what lesson can we learn from this? And I think the only lesson is we got every aspect of this wrong and every component of it. The negotiations. Now, obviously, some of the Democrats have their spin on this, which is, well, the second mm-hmm. Donald Trump started negotiating with the Taliban, they were giving him legitimacy and uh, and we were stuck with that. But what is your response? Actually, negotiating with the Taliban was essential if you were going to get peace talks. Isn't that correct? Right. I don't understand. You can't have it both ways. Either you're going to stay in Afghanistan forever, which was never the plan. And President Trump was finally a president who actually ran on and executed his promise to end the forever wars. Or you're going to create a plan that allows a government to take over that is secure and peaceful and supportive of American interests. So you can't just what are you going to do? Go in there and kill the few hundred thousand Taliban that are in Afghanistan. No, they have to have a part in their future. It's a piece of their country and the Afghans country needed to come together. And that was Trump's plan. So, yeah, we were we were capable enough to set conditions to get them to the negotiating table. And those negotiations could have continued. But Biden, as soon as he came in, just jettisoned the, the May 1st date, broke the agreement we made with the Taliban and the Afghans. And the negotiations stopped. And now look what we are. So the facts speak to themselves. We lost no one, no American casualty under President Trump's conditions based withdrawal. Look at the chaos and death that is occurring now under Biden's, quote unquote, plan for Afghanistan. Yeah, we've been fortunate not to have an American killed yet, but the situation is so tenuous that you just Mm -hmm. wonder. And the language of the Pentagon is becoming more and more bleak. Every time you hear from them, they're less and Mm -hmm. less confident that they have control of the situation. 
this is a, this is a slippery slope with ice on it. It's tough. One it's last bad. thing. I did a story mm-hmm. uh, earlier this week taking a look at all the work that John Sapko, the special inspector general for reconstruction Afghanistan, did and just warning everybody that the Afghan army might have a glass chin. And then if you didn't provide them the right support, if you didn't get a con- to a conditions-based withdrawal, if you didn't get a peace deal, these guys were not going to be able to hold the line. Joe Biden has sat there basically saying, I had no idea these guys were going to fold. Did you guys in the Trump administration realize that without a condition-based withdrawal, without a peace deal, that the Afghan army was never going to hold the country for a long period of time? Yes, they were always going to need multiple layers of assistance. Look, the, the only fighting force in the world that can sustain a, a volatile situation is the United States Department of Defense. But we can't be everywhere forever. And we realized that, and President Trump realized that, and that's why he needed a multi-pronged approach to have the Afghan National Police, the Afghan Security Forces, the Taliban, global allies, all in theater in Afghanistan, working together for negotiated peace. Because uh, otherwise, the only other option, as we said earlier, John, was to stay there forever. And that just wasn't an option under President Trump. So you either choose the forever war or you choose to end the forever war. There isn't a middle ground. And to do the latter, you need a negotiated peace settlement. And um, it seems we're now further away from it than we have been in the last 20 years. And that is, I'll just close with this, that is the most tragic thing to the 5,000 American lives that have been lost in Afghanistan since the start of the war. Yeah, it is a remarkable time and a remarkable moment. And the consequences will be felt for many, many years to come. Cash, thank you for so much. You know, we've been hearing no plan. Now we saw there was a real plan, a robust plan, a detailed plan that assumed and saw the realities that we're dealing with now and we're trying mm-hmm. to prevent them. You're, you're just your parting thoughts on how the Biden administration has uh portrayed the Trump administration. Is this an, have they given an accurate uh, portrayal of what it was you handed off to them? Well, no, they never did. And this is the prime example of a failure in leadership. They continue to go to the podium, their secretary, the secretary of state, the national security advisor, the president of the United States, the White House press corps, then lay the blame game. That is a telltale sign of a failure of leadership. They, they attacked us and said we were politicizing the transition when the only thing we were doing was working to transition to the best in U.S. history. And we handed that off to them. And instead of today attacking and politicizing national security apparatus of the U.S., all they have to do is go back and look at the plans we put in place and implement them or continue to implement them and build off of them. But they don't want to do that because they want the political narrative out there that Trump failed and not Biden. And that is the most costly decision this administration will make in the national security space for years to come. And it is going to hurt America and the world. And we never cared, John. And I'll tell you this for me personally. I don't care what the media says about me. We never cared. We put the mission first. The men and women I worked with put the mission first. We could care less what they say about us. Even if they take our plan and implement it now and say it's Joe Biden's plan, I don't care. That's the security and that's putting the mission first. And I just don't see that same belief uh, coming out of this administration. It's an amazing thing. And the consequences are also going to be political for Democrats, too. Anyone who thinks that the <laughs> Democrats can spin their way out of this mess, they you can see on the Hill already, Capitol Hill, cool. Democrats are distancing themselves from the president. Cash, we are so lucky to have had you on this. You really gave us an unbelievable picture. And I really feel grateful for you for enlightening us to what really was going on in January and February, what the government really knew and, and how we got to this moment, a tragic moment in history. Thanks again for your extraordinary service to this country. 
Thanks so much, John, for having me. I'm happy to come on your show anytime. We learned a ton today. I'm so grateful. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up today. While you're in that commercial break, just think about all the things you just heard, jaw-dropping stuff. All right, we'll be right back. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. So grateful you joined. So grateful that we could have a conversation, a fact-driven conversation. Listen, you just heard from the man who had the flight stick for the transition between the Trump and Biden defense departments and had a plan. You heard what it was. Very different from the plan that's been executed and how we were going to handle the situation in Afghanistan. A really great opportunity, great moment. Thanks to Cash Patel. Thank you for listening. We're so grateful. I have an idea as we head closer and closer to the week. And you know what? Restock your freezer. Go to my good friends at KansasCitySteaks.com. Use the Just News promo code. You know how to do this. And get yourself a freezer full of steaks for that Rest of summer, Labor Day, fun time, the first football games, college and NFL. All right, you might not want to watch the pregame and the whole ceremony thing and the anthem stuff, but hey, football's still football. It's good. And why not do it over a savory, delicious, mouthwatering Kansas City steak? Fill up those freezers, save yourself a trip to the store. Get the best steak and meat and entrees possible from our good friends. They're going to give you a big discount and free shipping. So go to KansasCitySteaks.com. All you got to do is tell them you're a John Solomon Reports Just the News fan by putting in Just News in the code. You're going to get 15% off your order plus free shipping. That's a big savings of moolah. You're saving money. And you're going to have some great steakhouse-like experiences on your back porch at your dinner table. Don't have to go out. Don't have to go to the grocery store. Shows up at your front door. And every time you buy a steak like that, Every time you buy something from Kansas City Steaks, you're supporting the show. Our incredible investigative reporting team at Just the News, our great breaking news reporting team. They are great people at Kansas City Steaks. Let's show them some love. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com right now. Use the promo code Just News and fill up that freezer for the beginning of football, the end of summer, Labor Day weekend. Hey, it is a great investment and you're getting a great price because you're a fan of our product. All right, that wraps it up. God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country, the United States of America, as he always has. We need some extra blessing right now. The situation in Afghanistan requires it. And do me a favor today. If you know a veteran, someone who served in Afghanistan or Iraq, trust me, they're feeling down watching what we're watching on TV, reading what we're writing. Give them a call and just let them know you care about them. That call may be the difference between someone going down a spiral or being reminded they have a friend and there's no reason to go down a dark path. This is a difficult time. I love veterans. I honor their sacrifices. There's so many that were made by the millions over the last half century. And those who fought in Afghanistan and Iraq are longest wars. They deserve to know you love them right now. Make a call. Make a difference. That's all I can ask for. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with another show.